Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Phantom Galaxy Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Bartlebaugh, and I'm joined with... Your co-host, Seth Dombach. It's been quite a while since we've done an episode. This is our reboot of Phantom Galaxy. Uh, this week, we've got this episode, and we also have a weekly review episode coming out. This podcast is dedicated to science fiction, fantasy, and horror, primarily from the review and discussion aspect. We've got a couple other podcasts that are uh, going up. We have Casting the Bones, which is the one that's running currently. Seth and I also do that, and we look at folk tales and folklore and stories, fiction, things like that, primarily around horror and the unexplained so you can check that out as well we are jumping back into our podcast in the month of october so october is our reboot month and we're planning to be uh, we're very regular in getting things out and one of the ways we're doing that is for the month of october with phantom galaxy we'll be having the weekly reviews we're going to do a 31 days of halloween and the things we're going to discuss every day we will have a or for every day we will have an item. Uh, it might be a movie. It might be a book. Uh, it could be a TV show or even mu- some music or a podcast that we will discuss. Each one of us will pick one thing, and we'll have uh, one for every day. What we're going to do, we're not going to release a podcast every single day, but we're going to release these in chunks of three. So uh, we'll just about every three days we'll be releasing a podcast and just a way to get into the holiday to provide some options for people uh, who are looking for things to, again, looking for movies or books or or, or some sort of entertainment media during the holiday. It's one of my personal favorite holidays, Seth. I know it's one of yours, too. Uh, what, we, what we're going to do is start with, again, October 1st and go through to the 31st. And in between, we'll be posting things up on the Facebook and we'll be posting things on our Twitter. I'll have the Twitter account and the email at the end of this podcast so that you can uh, send us your thoughts and your favorites as well. There are probably going to be some, uh, some of these things speak more to the holiday than they may may to a specific genre so that's kind of where we're coming from seth is there anything you want to say before we jump right in nothing much i'm just excited about this time of year uh, it, it's funny uh, halloween is definitely my favorite holiday and i just love fall altogether so i you know you get you hit that certain point where even if you love summer you get that one morning where it's just a little crisp in the air and you just start getting excited for that colder weather and everything that kind of surrounds fall. So I think I know we're really excited to talk about some of the stuff that we love during this month. Yeah, uh, me too. It, it, of course, here in Baltimore, we basically have you get excited and then it turns back into like swampy hot weather. It was 75 degrees today. We were at a fall festival in 75 degree weather eating snowballs <laughs> and it just uh, it seems like it shouldn't be that way. And um <laughs> <laughs> and for all of you who are wondering, we're right here on the uh, – it's it's uh, September 30th as we're recording. Uh, our goal is kind of that we're recording these just a little bit ahead of time so that you can uh, you can kind of listen along starting with uh, October the 1st. So we start just a little bit ahead. Uh, and in most cases, I'll say for me, I do have a lot of movies on this list. There are books and everything uh, that I'll also be presenting. But a lot of – when it comes to the movies, I've tried to rewatch them when I can. It's not true of everything. There are also a couple I've picked that I just want to – that I've wanted to see, and I'm watching sort of sight unseen. So for me, I don't know for for you, Seth, but some of these aren't necessarily going to be absolutely, this is my recommendation. I'd rather I pick things and said, hey, I'm going to kind of watch this and share the experience with you. So uh, for me, this isn't a list of 31 things I absolutely think you should check out. In many cases, that will be the case. Uh, But there will be times where I've picked things that I definitely want to get to and I want to see and review for this 
for this particular uh, show, it'll be a it'll be a kind of wait and see for us in some of those cases. So that's just me. That's the only caveat I have. I also want to say we'll be doing Seth and I will be doing some more Phantom Galaxy episodes during October that will focus on some things like uh, broader things about Halloween. You'll find a lot of that over Casting the Bones, particularly. I think we talk about traditions, yeah, and uh, and different sort of topics that come up at Halloween. So we'll be doing a lot of that over there, but we'll be doing a little bit here. We are going to dedicate a show, I think, just to talking about, um, you know, celebrating Halloween with your children and and the kinds of things you do with your children and films and books that are good for kids. Because I didn't really have a stipulation here, but I didn't really go into a lot of... uh, There's a lot of interesting stuff that's out there for kids. I didn't go into a ton of it here. But, um, yeah, that's about what I have to say. So uh, with that... Please join us. We're going to start with October 1st, and we're going to go from there. And we have this blocked out, so you can listen to it day by day if you want to, or you can listen to the whole thing at once. Again, we're going to do October 1st through October 3rd on this episode, and we're going to start right now. Okay, everyone, we're here, uh, October 1st, the very beginning of the month. So, Seth, why don't you start with what you picked for October 1st? So, I went, when I was making this list, I'm thinking about what is going to be the most fun for people to have during October. Uh, Because, again, it is my favorite time of the year. I love October. I love Halloween so much. And I want people to kind of see it from my perspective, what I love so much about the holiday. So, I'm trying to bring as much of that as I can into my list for this month. So, I'm going to kick this month off on October 1st with a movie called Silver Bullet, Stephen King's Silver Bullet. It began in May. And every month after that, whenever the moon was full, it happened again. And again. Nobody knew who or what was responsible. They only knew it had to be stopped. Now, from the master of mystery and suspense, Stephen King's Silver Bullet. It's based on a book of his called Cycle of the Werewolf, which I definitely also recommend checking out because the artwork by Bernie Wrightson is just absolutely gorgeous. It just envelops what you would think of in a kind of a werewolf tale, and that's what this story is about. Um, but Silver Bullet, the movie, is much, much different from Cycle of the Werewolf. It, I, I When Kim wrote this, I kind of feel like he knew that it was going to be intentionally funny. Um I think it was kind of written tongue-in-cheek because it is so different from the book. Um, But this movie, on kind of the surface, it's about a a young boy uh, who's disabled, who's um, month after month it kind of chronicles when this werewolf has come into this town of uh, Tarker's Mills. And 
just all the things that kind of surround it. Who is the werewolf? Where is this coming from? Um, but it's all kind of done in the really, really fun vein. There's so much kind of intentional weirdness to this film. Um, just it's silly. It's going to make you laugh. It's a perfect movie to watch with a group of friends because it is a lot of fun. Um, and I even think, you know, and I know a lot of people kind of talk uh, down to this film, but I do think there is some good werewolf related stuff because i don't think really as a genre like a subgenre of horror i don't really think there's a lot of good werewolf material out there it's it's few oh, and far man between. no no there really isn't <laughs> and this one i i think there's parts of it that genuinely like capture some really cool stuff about uh the werewolf and particularly like one of the earlier scenes that takes place uh off of like a train line and some of like the misty like walking through the woods at night and and things like that and i don't know it's just an all-around fun movie it's a great time to have with just friends like i said coming over and kind of laughing at some of the silliness with it plus it has gary Busey. i mean i know i haven't mentioned that yet and that's maybe i can't believe you most... waited this long <laughs> like you got that many minutes into this and did mention. i was like he's gotta bring he's gotta mention the Busey. <laughs> so if i haven't sold you by now I, that, that was my little like ace of the sleeve i'm waiting to to release the Busey. but yeah it, it's all around a fun movie you're gonna have fun with this movie like there's no doubt in my mind that you're gonna enjoy yourself nathan what do you think about silver bullet this is this is like a whole podcast worth of material, and uh, and actually I've got we have a second part of a podcast that we uh, did on Stephen King where we did talk a little bit about Silver Bullet that's that we released this month finally a, a year later, but you know it's so funny that you went to this movie Silver Bullet because when I I was trying to think similarly at the beginning of this because it's really cool when you set up a thing I'm going to talk about a different movie or book every day for 31 days and it, you're really excited about it at the very beginning and then you get 10 days in and you're like what did I do why did I agree to do this and I was like I need to pick something that's really going to get me like amped up and really into the mindset for for October 1st because I know this is going to be rougher than I think it is <laughs> I need some, right. I need something to energize me and I instantly went to werewolves to, to me werewolves are one of those like, I don't know why I love them so much as a creature. Some of it yeah. does have to do with the Wolfman movie. And growing up, uh, reading a lot of fiction, there was a book called, like, Meet the Werewolf that was, like, an almost non-fiction-y kind of book that was that was released in the 80s. You'd find it in your library. smelled like old glue. And uh, <laughs> But stuff like that, I just really got into that. And that mythology of the werewolf is really cool. So as a kid, I just loved werewolf movies. But as you pointed out, there are very few good movies. Even the ones that are entertaining aren't really all that good. Right. Uh, people talk about American Werewolf in London. Obviously, I'm not going to say much about that one right now. But like, it's a pretty good movie. But it's also not necessarily a super great werewolf movie. Right. Uh, you know, there's a lot of other stuff going on in that movie. It's got some great werewolf effects, uh, the howling and things like that. But then you have Silver Bullet, which, to be honest, when I was growing up as a kid, like a younger kid, this was really about the only one I could kind of watch. Um, I probably shouldn't have watched it either, but uh, and I don't remember. Is this one PG thirteen or is it R? I I don't. I think it is R. It seems like it will be. We watched it just recently, and it feels like it is. But it also does have that feel of the eighties sort of kids movie, not yeah. kids movie, the eighties adventure movie with kids in it. Um, yes, it it falls into that same kind of Stephen King realm where Stand by Me or something like that lives. Yeah. And I agree, this is a fun movie. This is also a very dumb movie. 
<laughs> but I feel like it's intentionally dumb. Yeah. But you can go into it and you can enjoy it as a campy werewolf movie, and it's a lot of fun. The werewolf effects are not spectacular, but there are some there's so much weird stuff in this movie. I remember sitting here watching it. Just There's a scene where you see a guy in a big black car trying to run down a kid in a rocket-powered wheelchair. Like, you <laughs> won't see that in any other movie I can think of. No, not at all. And, and Busey plays the drunken uncle, big surprise, of the kid, who's played by Cor- the, the, the late Corey Haim. He's the guy who builds the kid the wheelchair. And there's this kind of relationship between he and the kid that's kind of the heart of the movie the cycle of the werewolf book was sort of it wasn't much of a story it was kind of king playing it was almost a graphic novel because there was a lot of art like you said it was somewhere between creep show and him writing a novella it's really what it was and it was just breaking it down into what was happening in tarker mills during the different months but this is a fun silly movie uh i think it's hearts in the right place it has some surprisingly poignant moments at certain points when I rewatched it, there were certain scenes where, I was like, wow, that's kind of, you know, you'd yeah. have this moment of a guy grieving his son who's been killed. That's kind of hard to watch. And then the next scene, you have you have this like vigilante mob going out into the fog. And there's this one scene involving uh, they've got this paddle or something. What's it called? It has a name. <laughs> yeah, yeah I can't remember what the name is. Like, uh, yeah, I, I remember, but uh, it's written on the paddle. It hangs above the bar, and the guy takes it out. And there's a scene involving that paddle. I don't even want to spoil. It's just. When you see it, you're like, I can't believe I'm seeing this. And it's it's in this movie that also has graphic werewolf maulings. There's a, uh, Everett McGill is in this movie, who yeah. uh, most of us probably know from Twin Peaks. Uh, the one thing I will say is almost as good as the movie is a review that Roger Ebert wrote of the movie oh, when it yeah. came out. That it kind of puts the movie in perspective because Ebert thought that it was a comedy like he he did not just oh i laughed at it but he felt that they were making a send-up in the same way that gremlins around the same time was a send-up of horror movies that silver bullet was almost stephen king sending up his own genre yeah and i kind of see that he points out a lot of things that i'm not convinced i don't know if i'm if i'm on the same page with ebert i think some of the things just happen that way he makes a point about how the narrator of the film is basically sounds like a a 45 year old woman who's been chain smoking but when you look at the years that have gone by she should only be like 22 or something you know like they they, they're so used to that older sounding narrator like richard dreyfus doing like uh you know stand by me that you you don't do you do the math and you're like wait you know judy's had a hard life i i would definitely be wary about maybe showing it to very young kids i do think that a 13 year old probably could handle it yeah i think that's probably the perfect age for it honestly i think i don't know like it's i I think part of me like because i'm you know i'm I'm really big on like how i kind of place things in my list as much as possible and like you were saying earlier nathan like there's just something very like I think maybe the werewolf might be like one of the quintessential features or, or, or creatures of this time of year. I think it's because you think of like the gigantic like big moons that happen in, in like the early like cool evenings. There's something about that, and it's just like it's like the perfect kickoff to this season. To be clear, where can we find that right now? I, I believe it's on Amazon, right? I don't think it's it. It was on Prime for a while. I'm not sure that it is right now. It's also on Hulu right now. Oh, is it on Hulu? Perfect. Yeah. So you can see it. If you've got a subscription with Hulu, you can see it for free on Hulu. Uh, this would be, if you're someone who wants to hold and have a movie that you can watch on Halloween, this is a great choice. It definitely is. All right, guys. Well, that wraps up day one.
So I was also thinking werewolves, but as I went through, I was trying to find a good werewolf movie. And I was kind of despairing about them. Like, where, you know, I didn't want to necessarily talk about one of the really famous ones, at least right yeah. off the bat. You know, I, I wanted to try to find movies here that people maybe haven't seen. It's a no brainer that The Wolfman, the Lon Chaney Jr. movie, is an excellent movie. Yeah. Um, it's a no brainer that an American Werewolf in London is absolutely worth your time. It's maybe a little less obvious that The Howling is worth watching, although I kind of think it is. I think and it I was too. going to review The Howling, but then uh, what I was doing is as I was prepping for casting the bones and wanting to kind of do some episodes where we had almost a meet the werewolf or a meet the vampire kind of episode for some of these concepts. I, going back through the lore and the literature, I, I remember coming to the story about the Beast of, of, of Gévaudan, which is a French story that supposedly sort of happened in 18th century France, where you had a creature that was mauling and killing people in a small village. And it's sort of at the center or the heart of the werewolf legend in a lot of ways, at least when you look at European legends and folklore with the werewolf you know it's a historical event or semi-historical event that has been recorded where at the time it was in inferred that a wolf was responsible for the killings and that story has always sort of been really kind of interesting to me i couldn't think of a film that they really ever dealt with it uh until in 2001 we had a movie that came out and it's it, it came out at a point in time where we were just starting here in the United States to be a little bit more finally open to foreign films playing right. in the multiplex because I don't know if people people may not realize that now but like in the in the in the 90s and and in the 80s you wanted to see a foreign film you were going to go to an art house movie theater yeah, uh, totally. There was the Charles Theater here in Baltimore. I had to go quite a distance if I wanted to see a – and if I had to find one at Blockbuster, good luck finding one that didn't have dubbed. You know, It was almost right. impossible to find a subtitled movie. And the movie that changed all that really was Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Uh, it proved that you could have a big Blockbuster movie. And there were theaters showing that movie subtitled, not dubbed. I remember going to see that movie – with subtitles, which was a big thing because most of the multiplexes didn't have it. So a year later, around Christmas time, here comes a French movie, which is Le Pacte de Loup in French, but it was The Brotherhood of the Wolf. A mysterious beast is ravaging the countryside. No man, woman, or child can escape it. The blood-stained hills mark its path. But now, two men have come to face the challenge and confront the evil. Where no soldier or hunter could prevail, these men will not rest until it's destroyed. Universal Pictures and Studio Canal proudly present to American audiences the French motion picture sensation Brotherhood of the Wolf. And I think it came out around the same time as the first Lord of the Rings movie, like Fellowship of the Rings. And I had no idea what it was. Uh, but I did realize it was based off of, kind of loosely, the, the Beast of Gévaudan legend, which dealt, again, with these murders that were 
basically blamed on wolves at the time, but there was always this question mark of what really killed them. Their, the behavior of the creature was a little bit outside of what you would you would attribute to wolves. So the movie, uh, directed by Christoph Gans, who at the time, he's gone on to do Silent Hill, and he did a, uh, a, a modern update version of Bella La Bette, which is obviously Beauty and the Beast, based very much off the French, both the French legend of Beauty and the Beast and the, the Jean Cocteau film from the 40s. And but otherwise he really hasn't made a lot of movies and up to that point I think he had done Crying Freeman with Mark Dacascos and so this movie's insane. Have you seen this movie? Yeah, I have seen it. I saw it back when I, I actually saw it in the theater. I did too. I, I saw it in the theater and I hadn't honestly. I own it. I've seen it maybe once since then. And my experience with the movie was, wow, this is crazy. There's so much going on. There's so many visuals. There's so many weird genres smashed together. Uh, this is the craziest example that I can think of of a movie that starts out with a notation based on a true story. <laughs> to, to, to say this movie is based on a true story is, yes, at its heart, it has the Jevodan storyline and it has many historical characters but this movie's crazy yeah uh, just a quick rundown of the things in this movie we have martial artist iroquois secret cults and assassins from the vatican doomsday revelations we have it's a werewolf movie without a werewolf there's giant beasts there's magic there's a bone sword like a sword that's made of bone attached on a chain that's like a halfway between a whip and a sword there are multiple fight scenes, gorgeous visuals. It's it's so many things. And this movie is about two hours and something long. I mean, it takes its time. It's it's insane. And yet, somehow, it tries to still present itself as a historical piece. It's like a B-movie monster story, ladled on, but presented in a way that feels like a art house, high-minded period piece. It's very weird. It is very, very strange. This you're making me want to go back and rewatch it. It's been such a long time since I've seen this. So, so the question becomes, Nathan, why did you pull this one out? And for me, it's the ambiance of this movie. I when I saw it in the theater, I saw it at Christmas time, and it just immediately made me think of the fall of the fall of autumn. Like it has this ambiance that just puts me in that kind of place that kind of haunted, moody feeling that I kind of get into around the fall and the autumn and heading oh, into yeah. Halloween. And, I mean, there's, Halloween-wise, this movie's got a lot of, I mean, we have lots of masks and costuming and a lot of crazy things going on. Another thing I was kind of researching as we were uh, doing the Casting the Bones thing was the whole uh, mummers and gypsies and that whole sort of European <laughs> yeah. movement. And there's a lot of that kind of stuff in this movie. This movie's crammed everything into its corners. And to, the storyline is very basic in some ways, but it's it's also very, not I wouldn't say complex but convoluted in other ways you have it has these uh your main character is a libertine and as a french film we don't you know they just delve fully into that so you've got monica belusha in the buff at points and you've got trips to the brothel and you have weird stop uh stop start martial arts sequences with mark dacascos who plays the the iroquois warrior who's actually one of the highlights of the movie like the fight scenes are pretty evocative and pretty interesting i mean this was one of the first movies I can remember seeing that sort of, uh, you know, speed up, slow down sort of battle thing that yeah. became became so tired and outdated. But I feel it kind of works in this movie. Uh, it feels like looking at the pages of a comic book. The monster plot is also very basic. It's almost at the level of a Scooby Doo episode like if you were to and it's very similar to the movie Sleepy Hollow with Tim Burton. Uh, the both of them create these sort of artificial worlds. Uh, Brother of the Wolf probably feels a little more realistic in some ways in terms of of, of the visuals because of these 
these blasted heaths and these moody forests. And it doesn't look artificial in the way that, say, Sleepy Hollow or the Company of Wolves does. But it right. has just a really lush, beautiful look and this beautiful soundscape. Every piece is kind of working together. For me, when I watch it, it's just – I feel like I'm always about to be overwhelmed by it. The first time I saw it, I was like, that was wild. But was it a good movie? And I don't know that I know the answer. But when I, every time I watch it, I'm completely – uh, engaged by it. And I think in its own way, it uh, it is a good movie. It feels almost like what I used to feel like when I read like old uh, Conan the Barbarian novels a long time ago, like Robert E. Howard, that kind oh, of breathless, yeah. goofy pace, you know, where it's just like, this is a, yeah. again, now this is a, this is a hard R movie, I'd say in some ways, although it's mindset uh, you've got maulings, you've got gr- some some nudity, uh, but its mindset feels like it is again in that like thirteen year old's birthday party kind of mindset, you know. Oh, totally. You'd almost want this edited just a little bit, but uh, I'm not sure. I know you can buy the DVD and the Blu-ray online. I don't know that it's streaming anywhere. Uh, Seth, what are your thoughts about this one? Yeah, like uh, I, it, it's been such a long time since I've seen it, so I think I need to again go back and rewatch this again. But I just remember kind of feeling a lot of the same way that you did. There's something very evocative of this time, and and it's weird because I think you and I are going to have a lot of very close similarities on our list, just because I think we both are kind of on the same page of how we feel about this time of year. Um, but it's it was one of those like like you said it was. At a specific time, this movie couldn't have come out any time beforehand, or I even feel sometimes like a little bit afterwards. It's so of that specific time frame, and that's what made it work. Um, I, I, I don't. I feel like this has kind of been forgotten somewhat. So I think there's not that many people who are really, you know, have thought about the movie in a long time, or, or would even consider putting it on a list. But I, I, I'm really happy that you did bring it up on here. If you're thinking about seeing it, it's not – I wouldn't necessarily characterize it as a horror movie solely, although there are definitely horror elements. The, there's a scene when you have some uh, peasant girls being attacked in the – there's two separate scenes here that happen. It's almost like land version of Jaws in a sense where this where this beast has attacked <laughs> them. And, and wolves. I love – Wolves, like I, I, that's a weird thing maybe to say, but I find wolves fascinating, and I like movies where wolves are in the story. Now the wolves aren't necessarily centerpiece to this, but because this story isn't centered so much on the werewolf aspect, Manny is the Mark Dacascos character, the the Iroquois who has followed the primary character who's come here to investigate these murders, and so he's here, and his interactions with the wolves are very you know have a certain mysticism. Uh, to them that are interesting and those pieces are interesting but then at the same time you'll have some very strange sort of castle intrigue going on and then there are full-blown monster scenes in this the Jim Henson factory did make a monster Uh, there's a little too much CGI for my taste but the way the creature looks is pretty cool and what they've done and what's ultimately revealed about it I think is neat constantly surprised at the keep bringing these pieces together it's an adventure movie, it's a martial arts picture, it's an action film, it's a horror movie. There's a lot of stuff going on. I think that the journey's worth it, even if you aren't necessarily in love with the final product. But I agree, I'm a little surprised that it's fallen by the wayside, I think. Because it's exactly the kind of movie I would almost expect a cult following to build around. Oh, totally. And, and uh, you know, it's it's kind of sad, because I feel like it, not, not, not in the actual you know filming of it i don't know maybe not like the story of it but i feel like those movies like the underworld movie has got a kind of weird following where i felt like this is kind of more of what that 
should have been in a way you know not not so much like the same story wise but in like tone and like the look of the film and having seen this one again rewatching it realizing how much i enjoyed it it made me want to go back and watch a couple of movies that i i didn't really care for and i made that mistake because you know brother of the wolf is not a movie i could show my kids so i went back and tried to show them van helsing <laughs> because if you look at the, the visuals in van helsing they're not very good but you can almost see them looking at the somewhat success that brother of the wolf had and, and you know saying let's give Stephen Summers this because the way Van Helsing looks and a lot of the stuff is very similar and it's just such a botched job right. like it just feels soulless watching it in <laughs> yes. comparison to something like this and I don't think Christoph Gans has really hit the mark like he did with this one but I recommend you check it out it, it, particularly for the fall I definitely agree yeah and as far as being able to find it uh, you can go to Amazon it looks like they have the uh, like the the foreign region Blu-rays and you can get it on DVD. It looks like you can buy. Uh, there's deepdiscount.com is a good place if you're really looking for for DVDs or Blu-rays. You can often get pretty good deals over there. And it looks like they have a decent price on the Blu-ray. It says it's the uh, director's cut uh, over there. I will say I did watch the director's cut for this recent uh review for the, the most recent viewing and there isn't a lot of difference the two scenes that are added in are really just more context setting scenes that have they don't reveal any new information in terms of the the primary story they're not action set pieces or anything like that they're not anything that you would really expect to see in a director's cut they're just small character moments that flesh a little bit out here or there i honestly find them pretty much uh dismissible like it, they didn't add anything and if i were watching this movie had never seen it before uh and then you showed me the regular version i don't know that i would be hard pressed to in the two hour two and a half hours of things happening in brother of the wolf i don't know if i would have been able to identify those are the two scenes that you added so that's going to bring us for october 2nd and we'll be back with october 3rd uh with seth choice and we will we'll discuss that so So October third, Seth. We are we're now on day three. We've got the I don't know if we've got the werewolves out of our system. I'm sure they'll show back up. But I do think we I think we gave some good choices that we're outside the normal realm of things. Uh and I think you can have a lot of fun with them. Uh Seth, so October third, what what do you have for us? So for October third, mine is not a film. Today's choice, I wanted to go with Tales from the Crypt, the comic series. Um, now I'm a awesome. I'm a huge fan of Tales from the Crypt, the TV show. That's how I kind of got into it in the first place. Um, was seeing the HBO show when I was also way too young to probably be watching that show. Um, but from there, I wanted to like kind of it just sparked that interest in me, just kind of the same way that like Twilight Zone did when I was even younger. Um, but from watching the show, I just wanted to see what the original comics were like. I loved kind of the style of it, and and the show would always kind of start off with its own like cover of the episode, and I just loved the the art style of it. So I went to the comic shop, and they had bunch they had a bunch of reprints at that time. Uh, this was probably in the early early nineties. So I just 
gobbled up as many of them as I could, and I just got drawn into it. Those comics, and, and they caused a lot of controversy when they first came out. They actually was kind of the reason for the, the comics code um, because of some of the nature of the Tales from the Crypt comics. What was the comic book shop you went to? Because I know you live up in PA. We had a local one in town. It was not like a chain or anything like that. It was one of the, just, you know, one guy's owning this this comic shop. Uh, he wasn't as bad as the character from The Simpsons, but uh, nice. kind of like what you would expect going into Android's dungeon. Um, but was this like Carlisle or was, Lancaster? It was in Carlisle. Yeah, we used to have it. Because there was one in Lancaster yeah. that I used to get, where I got my first Tales from the Crypt comics. Oh, actually. really? That's awesome. My parents were, my parents were up there in Lancaster, like um, I think for uh, doing some of their anniversary, and they brought us comics back. And it was the tale. It was Tales from the Crypt. Those were the exact comics. And Tales from the Crypt and the Vault of Horror. Yes. So yeah, and the, the um, I, I think like the main draw is again, it is kind of reminds you of. The, the twilight zone but just darker in the, in the way of like it's a lot more violent there's a lot more like creatures uh, whereas a lot of the twilight zone is more kind of has like a sci-fi bent to it as well as horror um but i don't know there's the the artwork especially i think is what really nails these comic books in 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 horror history like it is very dark there's some very it, it's I would almost put it on this on a similar level in some drawings in the way of um, like scary stories to tell in the dark. It kind of reaches into that like horrific, it's like gothic kind of horror look to it. Um, and the stories are just fun. I mean, it's it's a kind of classic morality tale. There's always somebody gets their just desserts at the end of it, uh, and there's it's just fun all around. If you if you are into horror at all, I think you're gonna love. Um, Tales from the Crypt. Uh, for for me, it kind of sparks what I love so much about horror, kind of in the vein of like the Evil Dead, because you know I'm I'm not really into the tor- like torture kind of genre of horror. I like kind of the fun of it. Like that's what I love about Halloween is it's it can be scary, but it's also fun at the same time. And and Tales from the Crypt is perfect example of like what that's going for it's like evil dead tales from the crypt that kind of stuff it's all just in good fun there's there's a black humor to a lot of it as well too which i, I really love uh, so you said nathan you were you had gotten some tales from the crypt comics do you remember any specific tales that kind of stuck out at you i do yeah and i um so they did like you said in the 90s they started doing reprints of the of the comics, and it was probably just around the same time as you had the TV show started in the late eighties, I think eighty seven or eighty eight, somewhere around there, and it was running. I, it'd be interesting to know how many of those episodes were adapted from the comics, or if they all yeah. were. Uh, having read several comics, I do know that many of them were actual episodes. You know, you'd see an episode and be like, "I know this is from the comics," and incidentally. Before the show, I when I was much younger, I did see the 1974 Amicus version of Tales from the oh, Crypt, yeah. which is also a pretty good movie. Um, I like it too. It, yeah. It's different than the. Uh, it's it's very different than the one that uh, HBO did. What yeah. I will say about the 74 version is you can show that to a younger audience. Uh, yeah, it, it's got it, it's probably the same audience that you'd feel comfortable handing the comic to. Uh, yeah. And they could watch the 74 movie. It, it also – so some of those episodes that I remember from the comics and, and the one uh, – the tale the Crypt Keeper and there was a Vault of Horror and I think there was a third one. And they each uh, had a – witch, yeah. Yeah, they had different uh, – uh, what was that again? 
I think it was like, was it The Haunt of Fear? The Haunt of Fear, which had a witch kind of uh, uh, narrating it. And Vault of Horror, I think, was more of a goblin type. And the Crypt yeah. Keeper was also kind of a goblin y. He wasn't, he didn't look exactly like the skeletal creature that's in, um, uh, that's in, the, show. in the show. Yeah, he was a little bit different. And uh, fun fact my wife's roommate, John Kassir, is her uncle. <laughs> Oh my in college gosh. so that that's a, a a fun fact john kassir of course did the voice for the crypt keeper and so to me what was interesting about it was my parents come back to give it to us and I, i'm in like middle school at this point and it does even even in 90 it kind of felt like should i be reading this like yeah. these <laughs> these comic books in 1990 i'm reading this comic book and this is me Watching movie, you know, I was seeing horror movies at the time. My parents let us watch a certain amount of horror movies, and we had seen R-rated horror movies. And even so, sitting there, just sitting there reading this comic, and knowing my parents had handed it to me, it still feels a little edgy. I mean, yeah, but does. I think it's kind of a fun edgy. It's it's not it's not like you're really going to be twisted and broken by reading these stories, but there's some pretty creepy stuff in it. And I do want to say I'm going to probably mention some stories just going through them. I might these things are always based off just the based off of a twist for the most part and they really came out of they were after world war ii a lot of people i think had like weren't into the crime stories as much but you can see how they developed from the crime stories they have the same feel as like the pulps as the pot boilers and the whodunits like it's that kind of like pulpy stuff except in comic form and a couple stories that i remember uh and and some of just the cover art the cover art could be so ghastly sometimes yeah. There's some really ghastly stuff in here. Uh, there is. There is an episode involving a guy who uh, wants to sort. He's he has cancer. He's dying, and he wants to uh, live forever. He wants to find a way to beat the cancer. And he visits a witch in the woods. Do you remember this story? I do remember this one. Yeah. Yeah. So he his basic wish, of course, is I want to uh, I want to to live forever. I, I want to be immortal. I don't want this to kill me. And of course, these things always go wrong in these stories. Uh, he's granted the wish, but the cancer doesn't stop, and it right. eventually evolves into a kind of monster story. Because eventually, there's nothing. There's no human. There's only cancer. It's almost like the Blob. Right. And he so and it's it, it, the cover art is d- disgusting. Uh, the story <laughs> is gross. Uh, it doesn't avoid the scenes of him turning into the cancer thing. Um, it's pretty terrible. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's a story, but it gets lodged in your mind. It's hard to really let it go. Uh, did they make this into an episode, I wonder? Because I don't, I don't I think that they everyone. did. It, it, yeah, it I'm might have been sure too expensive to, to done because you basically have a cancer blob, don't we, towards the end of this story. <laughs> yes. And it's a, it's a full-blown monster story. <laughs> um, I, of course, remember one that uh, involved, um, I think it was called All Through the House, and it's been adapted several times. Yeah. It was adapted in the 74 film, and it involves Santa. Yes. Yeah, I think it was actually the fr- the pilot episode of the HBO series, yeah. too. And the HBO series in that one cast uh, Larry Drake, Dr. Yeah, Giggles. Terrifying. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's totally creepy. It's a totally creepy story. But that's kind of a quintessential story. But I remember the way it's drawn is just – it's it's – it's nerve-wracking. It's way, and, and it's, again, really kind of grotesque twist there. Uh, how about you, uh, ones that you remember? One of my favorites, I can't remember the name of it, um, but there is, 
it's kind of all told from like a first person perspective of this man who has gotten into a car wreck and a lot of the a lot of the cells on, in the comic are just blank it's just like what you're seeing as he's like kind of moving through and he he starts passing people on the street he's asking for help and they just like scream in terror when they see him. Yes, they never yes. see him at all until like one of the final like frames of the comic. Like he comes up to the car crash that he was in, and he looks in and he realizes it's his car. And he looks into the rearview mirror and you see his face, and it's like completely rotted off, and you just see like the skull beneath it. Just that image of oh, him it's gross, in totally that comic. disgusting, yeah. 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 Just one of those ones that's like, like I, I can just visualize it like perfectly in my head to see that face again. It just burned its way into the deep recesses of my mind. So that's like one of my favorite tales from the. Crystal they had that mind. way of just having a moment or a piece that just really uh, kind of stuck with you, you know. And it, it would it would sum up the story in a lot of ways because these stories were simple. They were simple. They were not art. Uh, in a sense, yeah. there was an artistic way to the fact of, of, of the way they were done and how they would draw you in. And they were they were good enough, obviously, that, you know, the, the, the show got a lot of mileage off of them. And yeah. you also had like weird tales and things like that that had the more sci-fi elements. And I enjoyed all these. Uh, but it just – everything they – the way it was done, there was a really kind of like, oh, you shouldn't be watching this. But – there was these, like you said, there were morality tales. They were interesting. They didn't really. I don't think they pandered to their audience. You know, they were writing stories. Uh, they were aiming these at kids, but these really weren't kids' stories. A few years earlier, these stories would be and were at the time appearing in in magazines that were intended for adults. You know, these there there are stories in here that aren't that different than some of the stuff that H.P. Lovecraft would be selling. You know, schlockier. Sleazier, sure, but not necessarily. You know, they they weren't um, they weren't really watered down as much as they were simplified. Yeah, and I got like one more, um, and they I don't know if they ever did an episode of this. Do you? Re- I had the tales from the. In fact, I believe the tales from the crypt episode, the comic book that was brought back to me um, that particular day. I mentioned that the first one I got was the one that on the cover we it's the most ridiculous cover they probably ever did it's there's a mummy a rotted mummy and she's sort of posing while this yes. two-headed creature comes out of the tank yep. and so the story the story's ludicrous the 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 twist or the sort of like punchline which relates to like you know the crypt keeper himself is ridiculous yeah um, it's called lower birth yeah, lower birth, and it's um, it it, it deals with a sideshow with some sideshow creatures. So you have a mummy, uh, in its sarcophagus, and you have this uh, like birth defect two headed boy floating around in a tank. And what happens there is again just disgusting. It's gross. Um, these things could get gross. Do you do you remember a story involving a guy who got locked in a crypt, and yes, he I, basically I totally know which one. they they find him and he is dead and. Uh, because of the formaldehyde from eating yes. the dead bodies <laughs> to stay alive. Isn't there another one too where a father's like he's killing people to make his sausage with, and then at the end of it, his he like sees his son is like eating the meat of these people. Yeah, I mean this kind of stuff was very common. They had your werewolves and your vampires, but a lot of it dealt with 
people doing dark things and getting their comeuppance. Yeah. And really, it spawned out of the urban legend of campfire story oh, totally. kind of mentality. These weren't new stories that were being told. They were just told in a different way. And I think what's interesting, I don't know. So the question becomes, like, where can you get these now? And and I actually prefer them to the show. I liked the show, but yeah. I, I, I feel like the campiness that goes along with this kind of story is just so much better realized in the comic format. It's almost it is, more palatable yeah. there. I roll my eyes a lot less there than I did watching the, the, the show, which was also purposely tongue-in-cheek. It totally is, yeah. I don't know. There's. It's funny that you said like the, the kind of retelling of tales. There's. There's one that just kind of came to mind as well too. It's almost like the picture of Dorian Gray, where a man has he. he it's almost essentially the same story. He wants to be beautiful forever, and he has a picture um, that is used to kind of capture that beauty. But instead of like how Dorian Gray, the picture would start to to rot over time. At the end of the story, somebody accidentally spills like a bottle of uh, paint thinner onto the canvas and then like the man's whole face is like completely melted off yeah that's that's (laughs) and if you listen to us talk they're almost all the same story yeah exactly. i remember one involving vampires that ended with them taking hit taking the victim and turning him upside down and sticking a tap in his neck and it was like a (laughs) vampire bar and they're just you know i remember that one too yeah um I think it's worth mentioning. I'm sure probably most people know this, but uh, you know, for people who are mo- who grew up kind of when we did, you're probably familiar with Creep Show and yeah. the Stephen King, uh, George Romero movie, and there was also a book with uh, Bernie Wrightson, I believe, did the art for that. Yeah, he did. Yeah, and he did. that had that's very much Tales from the Crypt. That's what that yeah. movie was sort of uh, capturing. And then you had Tales from the Dark Side, kind of doing the same thing. And then eventually. HBO does Tales from the Crypt. But these are worth checking out. And there are hardcovers I'm noticing online. If you go to Amazon, you can get the volumes, um, hardcover volumes there for, it's kind of pricey. I mean, you're talking hardcover for like $28 or or $39. I will say they have the Kindle editions are much cheaper. Um, Kindle might not necessarily be exactly what you think of when you want to look at a comic book. But you can get them for like $13.00. I see that some of the Kindle editions are nine, ten dollars. So, I, and honestly, you know, it's probably still worthwhile in that in that version. I'm sure if you go on eBay or something, you can maybe find uh, some of these comics. I don't know. I don't think they've done a reprint in a while. I don't really know for certain, but it's definitely Actually. worth worth checking out. And I think. Um, I think getting a hold of one of these graphic novel editions, you really, you get a hold of one, you'll get a good feel for what, what they are. Oh, yeah. It's totally the, the the whole trope of, like, the kid in their bed late at night underneath the covers with a flashlight looking at the comic book. That's exactly what Tales from the Crypt is. Yeah, it is. And, and we've gone on a little bit on this one. But, and i got to mention something. I probably shouldn't do this. I'm going to do it anyway. You're you're absolutely right about the whole comics code thing and the controversy surrounding these and and they are they are grotesque. Like if you hand them to an adult and they're looking at them, I mean it's some grotesque stuff. But it's it's dealing with that topic that comes up, that topic of death and kind of gruesomeness. It's at the heart of horror, I think, and what makes horror interesting or curious to younger a younger audience. And I mm-hmm. and I will say the comics for, for the most part they 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 were pretty liberal with showing the like 
the gore, but even then it was mostly ghastly images. We're not talking buckets and buckets of blood. Yeah. We're not talking excessive violence. We're talking mostly implication. And and the sex that showed up in the TV show is pretty much absent in the comics. Yeah, exactly. Like, at the most, because again, this was the 40s. That's one thing the comics code, you know, you definitely would have had it shut down. Um, there's a lot of femme fatales and stuff like that, but the stuff that HBO put into the show is not in Tales from the Crypt of the comics. Yeah. In fact, I dare say that the comics are pretty much a PG-13. Like, I, I, I think it, 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 some of the stuff seems ghastly and shocking, but it is, I'd say it's at the level of a PG-13. It's pretty um, innocuous today, but it, it just has that way of still being shocking as you're reading it. And kids are reading it. It, it. it has a baseline that you could track. You can move from this to Edgar Allan Poe or something like that, you know. And But so the thing I'm going to say <laughs> is... People talk about how ghastly this is. But last Halloween, we were walking around and somebody put a chick track <laughs> in my kid's uh, Halloween basket. I got one a few years back, too. Yeah, we don't, people don't know what this is. Jack Chick, uh, a whole thing of basically evangelical tracks that are handed out on Halloween with the basic idea is that Halloween is the day that all the people who are going to hell actually go out and, you know, enjoy life. And. I say this as someone who, you know, someone of faith, and from a Christian perspective, this is just heinous to me. Uh, these are, apparently, they're well-meaning people who are trying to reach out and sort of evangelize through these tracks. These tracks are more harmful than Tales from the Crypt, in my opinion. Oh, totally. And they're just as ghastly in a lot of <laughs> cases. Uh, the, the tract I had looked like art from Tales from the Crypt. I mean, and it dealt with a kid being brutally hit by a car and then burning in hell because yeah. he hadn't given his life to the Lord. And uh, the people going through a haunted house and just being stabbed and killed. Um, Muslims burning in fire. Uh, horrible, horrible stuff. Yeah. Black and white. And these people who would take something like Tales from the Crypt and just burn it, you know, uh, for being uh, utterly tasteless garbage, will be handing this stuff out. I just didn't think in, in 2018 we were still doing this, but apparently we are. And I would just ask, if you're first, I don't know why you'd be listening to this. <laughs> if you're listening to this, though, and you've ever thought about handing something like that, and you are someone who does, uh, who in your Christian faith feels strongly, you know, about sharing your faith and and, and witnessing the people, uh, and... and there are, there are better ways to do it. Yeah. There are better ways to show the the love of Christ, th- if you will, I think th- than putting something like this. Stay away from this. If you even have an inclination, please don't do it. I can say, as a Christian, as knowing people, uh, friends who have experienced this, this doesn't this doesn't show love. Yeah, yeah. I feel like you could showing your your child like your young child the exorcist is a lot less harmful than showing them a chick track because it's like like you said they're coming from a place where they're saying this is 100 percent true if you don't do this specific thing you are going to burn for all eternity it's it's disgusting it's that that anybody would would do that to a child to put that kind of onus on them especially in in such an innocuous form as like this is a comic book doing it it almost reminds me of like uh, I'm sure you've probably seen like the Carmen, like the old Christian singer. He did that a witch's invitation video like years and years ago. It's just it's it targets children in a, in a really deceitful and and harmful way. I'm less bothered by the Carmen video, yeah. although that is also not great. Uh, at least in some of those things, there was an emphasis on the grace of God. There, there's none of that that I can infer in these in these tracks. Along with being and like racist and homophobic and everything else, there, there is a lot of that. Uh, just, but it's ironic. I guess the irony is that they use the same style, Tales from the Crypt, uh, to tell this 
to 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 spin what's supposed to be a positive thing and it's it's using the same tactics yeah. so i don't know that we needed to go there <laughs> we but we did, did. we're keeping uh, it i in. did i just it shocked it shocked me last year when that happened and i knew about the chick tracks there's even a movie called hot chicks <laughs> Where uh, I have you, are you familiar no. with this? Is that real? Okay, we'll talk I about need to this see too. This. Yes, hot. It was done a while back, and it, and it, in fact, um, it had a couple people you'd recognize in it. I think it might have been even released by Glass Eye Picks, oh, you yeah. know, Larry Fessenden's uh, group. It was called Hot Chicks. It came out like around 2006, and the gist of it was they just remade the the chick tracks, the individual stories. They're only like you know these little pieces are like five or six minutes long. It's not a great, it's not very high budget. It does have Judy Greer is in a segment called Party Girl, which is like one of the classic <laughs> chick tracks, and it's yeah. totally low budget. It's not it's not particularly well done. It's but it's amusing just in the sense of. They are taking it and presenting it as is. I mean, you can't really read one of these and not come away with a perception of it. I think. Oh yeah. Uh, that isn't what the author intended, and they don't really—they didn't really care. They were just throwing it out there. So, I think it's amusing. I'm going to put a link in our show notes to one of the episodes, the Party Girl episode. That way, no one has to go to YouTube and, and type in "hot chicks," which I don't recommend you do. Uh, you're either getting the um, you're you're getting that. Uh, what was that horrible movie? Um, <laughs> the Hot Chick. The, the Hot Chick with what's his name? Um, Rob Schneider. Rob Schneider. So you're getting Rob Schneider's The Hot Chick or something much worse. So <laughs> I'll, I'll put the link up there and the link to the trailer. Um, I don't know if you can actually find it anywhere to purchase. It was pretty pretty low budget. Um, kind of amusing. I Also, I, I think what's funny is that somebody has done a Cthulhu chick track as a joke. Uh, again, I don't think... I don't think what we're talking about here is mocking uh, Christianity in any kind of form at all, but rather addressing, honestly, this was a, many people, there's some people still find this apparently a valid form of evangelism. And this was a big thing in a certain, a certain mindset, particularly in the eighties and things like that, like dealing with the satanic panic. There, there are chick tracks that show people burning their dungeons and dragons paraphernalia and (laughs) demons literally flying out of the flames. I mean, it just, um, Really, just based around fear, and it really bothers me though when you're handing it to a very young child, particularly. You know, uh, I don't want my four year old going back and pulling this out of their basket and wondering what was been given to them. I just, uh, I'd rather you just turn your lights off and not, not do anything. You know, yeah, exactly. Um, and there are there are ways that you can show the love of God without doing this. You know, the two things that they're really missing from this uh, are grace and mercy, and you're going to find that in your in your scriptures. So. Uh, yes. Why why they are left out of the chick tracks? I'm not entirely sure, but um, but if you if you if you check out chick tra- the the hot chicks, it's good it's good for a laugh. Um, so that's it, man. We've gone through three days and even got a bonus a, bo- <laughs> a bonus uh, a title to, to look up. So <laughs> yeah. uh, that's it. We will be back with the next three days with October fourth, fifth, and sixth, um, and we will talk to you guys later. Take care. <laughs>